دلوقتي هنستمع الى كلمه سيدنا البابا بمناسبه العيد followed by the word from his uh, his eminence metropolitan yusuf and then after this abuna james will give a short sermon بسم الله والاذن والروح القدس الاله الواحد امين خرسوسانستي اليسوسانستي المسيح قام والحقيقه في قد قام أهنيكم جميعا بعيد القيامة المجيد في عام 2023 نحتفل بالقيامة المجيدة بعد هذا الصوم الطويل الصوم المقدس والذي امتد إلى 55 يوم نحتفل بالقيامة كما كل عام وكما تعلمون أن احتفال القيامة هو احتفال بأساس إيماننا وهذا الاحتفال بالقيامة هو احتفال بالمسيحية واحتفال بالإيمان بالمسيح ولذلك القيامة نحتفل بها في كل يوم في صلاة باكر في الأجبية ونحتفل بها كل أسبوع في يوم الأحد من كل أسبوع إنه يوم القيامة أو يوم النور ونحتفل بها أيضا كل شهر في تاريخ 29 من الشهر القبطي وهو تذكارات للبشارة والميلاد والقيامة نحتفل بها كل عام في عيد القيامة المجيد ويمتد احتفالنا إلى خمسين يوم نسميها الخمسين المقدس والحقيقة عطايا القيامة عطايا كثيرة جدا في حياة الإنسان أود أن أتحدث معكم على عطية من العطايا الغنية التي في قيامة رب المجد هذه العطية هي عطية العين الإيجابية للحياة الإنسان خلق له الله العين كعضو للنظر خلق له عينان في وجهه لكما ينظر إلى الحاضر وينظر إلى المستقبل ولم يخلق له عين في الخلف إلى الماضي جعله ينظر إلى الأمام دائما وهذه العين رغم أننا نشترك جميعا في تركيبها التركيب الفسيولوجي والتركيب الأناتومي ولكن نظرة العين تختلف من واحد لآخر لنفس الشيء عشان كده العين الإيجابية للحياة تتميز بثلاث ميزات الميزة الأولى أنها عين واقعية تنظر للأمر في واقعيته في حدوده في شكله وليس في الخيال وتنظر للأمر في واقعيته أنه أمام الإنسان واضح ولا يحتمل أي تأويل الجانب الآخر في النظرة الإيجابية للحياة أنها نظرة إنسانية يعني يجب أن تشتمل نظرة الإنسان للأمور على عمل الرحمة الرحمة لأن عكس الرحمة توجد القساوة والقساوة امتلأت بها قلوب كثيرة في العالم ولذلك نظرتها ليست نظرة إنسانية الجانب الآخر للعين يجب أن تكون النظرة متكاملة وليست نظرة متناقصة كما تدرون جميعا أننا نقول الكوب اللي فيه جزء من الماء هذا الكوب ممتلئ أم ناقص البعض يراه كوبا ممتلئا بالماء هذه نظرة إيجابية 
ونظرة متكاملة والبعض يراه كوبا ناقصا وبالتالي هذه نظرة سلبية هذه الأمور النظرة الواقعية والنظرة الإنسانية والنظرة المتكاملة تشكل جميعها العين الإيجابية للحياة سأعطيكم بعض الأمثلة في قصة القيامة وأحداث الصليب والقيامة كان تلميذين يوحنا تلميذ من الاثنى عشر ويهوذا الإسخريوتي تلميذ من الاثنى عشر اختارهم السيد المسيح شافوا تعاليمه شافوا معجزاته حضروا وياه بالتأكيد كان في حوارات بينهم وبين السيد المسيح لكن للأسف يوحنا الحديث كان له النظرة الإيجابية والعين الإيجابية للحياة نراه يرتبط بالسيد المسيح يصل وياه حتى إلى الصليب وإلى المحاكمات ونراه يجد المتعة الكبيرة في أنه يستكئ برأسه على صدر المسيح وأطلق عليه المسيح أو هو أطلق على نفسه التلميذ الذي كان يسوع يحبه في المقابل يهوذا الإسخريوتي كانت نظرته مادية وكانت نظرته سلبية ولم يرى في المسيح أنه المخلص الفادي الذي جاء لأجل خلاص العالم ولأنه لم يجد فيه تحقيق أطماعه المادية أو الأرضية ولذلك باع سيده بثلاثين من الفضة وفي النهاية ذهب وشنق نفسه ومات وخسر نصيبه الأبدي الاثنين في نفس الموقف واحد له العين الإيجابية واحد له العين السلبية مثال آخر نرى في أحداث الصليب عندما ننظر إلى اللصين اللص الشمال واللص اليمين اللي هما شمال ويمين السيد المسيح صلبوا اللصين مع السيد المسيح علشان إمعانا فأنه مجرم اللص الشمال كان له حديث كبير إنه إذا كنت أنت المسيح انزل وخلصنا وارفع عننا الألم اللي احنا فيه ألم الصليب اللص اليمين كان له نظرة نفس الموقف نفس التوقيت نفس الشواهد نرى أن اللص اليمين ينظر نظرة إيجابية ويذكر أننا بعدل جوزينا بعدل احنا صرنا مجرمين ونظر إلى المسيح واذكرني يا رب متى جئت في ملكوتك كانت هذه العبارة عبارة صلاة عبارة توبة عبارة نداء عبارة رجاء وقبلها السيد المسيح في آخر أيام أو آخر ساعات حياة اللص اليمين اليوم تكون معي في الفردوس هذه الصورة تنطبق في نماذج كثيرة جدا العين الإيجابية للحياة ولذلك أيها الأحباء تمسك أن تكون لك عين إيجابية عين إيجابية تنظر الأمور في إيجابيتها لكل أحداث حياتنا أحداث حياتك اليومية وأحداث العمل والخدمة والأسرة كل هذه الأحداث انظر أن تكون لك النظرة الإيجابية هذا هو فعل القيامة المجيدة في حياة الإنسان وخلي قلبك دايما مرفوع وبتقول يا رب اديني العين الإيجابية التي ترى الأمور في حقيقتها وفي جمالها وفي إيجابيتها 
ابعدني عن النظرة السلبية أو النظرة الضيقة أو النظرة التي لا ترى إلا ما هو سيء الحياة فيها جمال ممتد في كل عمل صالح أنا سعيد أن أنا أرسل لكم هذه الرسالة أقدم التهنئة القلبية باسم الكنيسة القبطية باسم المجمع المقدس وأقدمها من هنا من مصر إلى كل الإبرشيات والكنائس والأديرة القبطية في ربوع العالم كله وهن إخوتي الأحباء الأباء المطارنة والأباء الأساقفة والأباء الكهنة والأباء الرهبان والأمهات الراهبات ومجالس الكنائس وكل الشباب وكل الخدام كل الشمامسة وكل الشعب وأيضا إلى كل الأطفال وهنأكم جميعا أينما كنتم في أوروبا في أفريقيا في أسيا في أمريكا الشمالية في أمريكا الجنوبية أو في قارة أستراليا وهنأكم جميعا وهذه التهنئة أحملها إليكم إلى كل فرد طالبا من ربنا يسوع المسيح القائم من بين الأموات أن يفرحكم على الدوام وأن يعطيكم العين الإيجابية لكل عمل ولكل حدث في حياة الإنسان لإلهنا كل مجد وكرامة من الآن وللأبد أمين خريسوسا نستي أليسوسا نستي I'll share with you the message from actually His Eminence Metropolitan Yusuf and uh, their graces Bishop Gregory and Bishop Basil as well <coughs> says my beloved O death where is your sting O hell where is your victory Christ is risen and you are overthrown Christ is risen and the demons are fallen Christ is risen and the angels rejoice Christ is risen and life reigns Christ is risen and not one dead remains in the grave for Christ being risen from the dead is being become the first fruit of those who have fallen asleep this is a quote from St. John Chrysostom Christ is risen truly he is risen death is defeated and the demons no longer have a grip on humanity the dead rise hope and joy are restored through his glorious resurrection we see in the many resurrection accounts how the Lord Jesus Christ restores joy to humanity each one of us is called to have the same experience of the resurrection to experience its transformative power and its ability to turn the sadness, the worries, and the cares into inexpressible joy. <clears throat> he is the restorer of joy to those who lost purpose. The disciples on the road to Emmaus had hoped Jesus was the Messiah, and as they, walked, as they were walking and conversing, they no longer called him the Messiah or the Son of God, but simply a prophet. They couldn't comprehend his death and felt like they lost their purpose after following him during his earthly ministry. Yet the Lord appears in their midst seeking his sheep as he always does and explains scripture. The disciples invite him to stay with them and their blindness is taken away, recognizing him in the breaking of bread. Their joy was restored. They found the purpose, their purpose and zeal again and rushed back to Jerusalem to share the joy. There may be times in our lives when we seem to have also lost our purpose and like those two disciples who may have experienced the same sadness 
is not being able to recognize our Lord's presence in our lives. We should take example from their encounter and the remedy of their sadness, clinging to scripture and inviting the Lord into our hearts and in partaking of the Eucharist. The Lord will appear to us in scripture as he has appeared to them. He will appear to us when we partake of the Eucharist as he appeared to them. And when he does, he will be full of joy for in his presence is the fullness of joy. Never give, never give up, but keep persevering for the Lord fills the hearts of those who persevere despite the loss of purpose with the joy of the resurrection. Jesus Christ appeared to me with the joy of your resurrection. He also is the restorer of joy to those who are held captive. Our Lord Jesus Christ descended into Hades to deliver those who were captive. We can imagine Adam and Eve in Hades all these years sentenced because of their sin. We can think of Moses who led the people of Israel out of captivity in Egypt, yet he is held captive by in Hades. We can picture David who prophesied about the, about the incarnation, death and resurrection of the Lord and is waiting in Hades for the fulfillment of all these prophecies. All those in Hades waiting expectingly in hope despite their captivity waiting on the Lord. And then the Lord descended into Hades, the darkness of Hades, abolishing all darkness with his presence, his light, the tremendous joy of deliverance. How often we find ourselves in captivity to sin, the sins of the mind, the sins of the flesh, and the desires of material possessions, and the desire of worldly glory. At times we find ourselves struggling with habitual sins, addictions and that are holding us captive, unable to live life joyfully as the Lord intends. If we remain hopeful as those in Hades waiting on the Lord, as they waited patiently and struggling courageously against sin, the bonds will be loosed and our good Savior will fill our hearts with the joy of the resurrection. The Lord Jesus Christ shine upon me with the light and joy of your resurrection and deliver me from the captivity of sin. The Lord is also the restorer of joy to those who lost hope. On the Lord's right hand, on the cross, a thief is crucified, condemned to death. And this thief knows that this is his end. That is it. Yet on the cross, he encounters the Savior of the world. And in his beautiful cry of hope, he pleads, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. The joy of the thief experienced in hearing the Lord's response, Today you will be with me in paradise, is the joy the Lord wishes all of us to experience every day in our counsel with Him. Perhaps there are times in our lives in which we lose hope in ourselves. We feel like we are lost and cannot find our way back. Or maybe there is a loved one, a son, a daughter, a friend, a sibling, a parent, a spouse, that we feel is lost. And we ask ourselves, how are they going to return? We take example of this thief who in an instant won paradise in the last moment of his life, giving us hope that as long as we are still here on earth, the Lord simply awaits our repentance or that of our loved ones. It can happen at any time. We need to call, keep calling on our good Savior for he fills the hearts of those who call upon him in joy and hope. When he sees lost when, he, when, he, when, when all seems lost with the joy of the resurrection. Lord Jesus Christ, allow me to recognize the power and joy of your resurrection that I may rise with you.
My beloved St. Gregory the Theologian reminds us, quote, Christ has risen from the dead, rise with him. Christ has returned to himself, return. Christ is freed from the tomb, be freed from the bonds of sin, end quote. Truly we are called to rise with him. We are called to return to him. We are called to be freed from the bonds of sin and be joyful. We wish you a blessed and glorious feast of resurrection praying that we all experience the inexpressible joy of the risen Lord in our lives. Through the intercession and prayers of St. Mary, all the angels and saints, we ask the Lord to preserve the life of our beloved Father, His Holiness Pope Tuadros II, the 118th Pope of Alexandria, and the Patriarch of the See of St. Mark, and to keep him on his throne for many years and in peaceful times. Glory be to God forever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. طبعا انتوا عارفين هبتدي ازاي هقول ايه لا بخريستوس افتونف يو الرد ايه بخريستوس افتونف طب انا قلت كده ليه why did I say this because we're cops you know Christos Anesti is in Greek right so us being cops we should say it in our language right can we try it again بخريستوس افتونف خان اومسمي افتونف Okay, so now when we greet each other, we should say the Christos of Tons. We shouldn't say Christos Anesti, right? Anyways, Christos Anesti, Alithos Anesti. During uh, the readings that we read today, um, we see in it an encounter with the Lord. And before the reading, we were chanting the hymn of resurrection, Christos Anesti. And it says, Christ is risen from the dead, trampling down death by death, and upon those in the tombs bestowing life. So, he, in his resurrection, he trampled death by his death and his resurrection, giving life to those who are in the tomb. And actually in the resurrection we receive both freedom from sin and freedom from the sting of death. This is why St. Paul says, For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So we receive both freedom from sin and freedom from death to the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. However, although the resurrection was an actual event that happened in time, however, the actual resurrection or resurrection is not just an event, but it's a person. If you remember, When the Lord, before he was about to raise Lazarus from the dead, and Martha came to him and said, We wish you were here. He said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. So the resurrection actually is our experience with the Lord. Our union with the Lord. This is our resurrection. And this is the resurrection of those who encountered the Lord. And the Gospel from today spoke about an encounter with a woman whose name was Mary Magdalene. And she was graced with being the first one that the Lord appeared to after His resurrection. And she would be the one by which the good news of the resurrection would spread not only to the disciples, but to the rest of the region at the time in the world. I'd like to meditate a little bit about the life of St. Mary Magdalene and about the events that happen in the Gospel for today. There's not much known about her. We know that, of course, she's from where? Where is she from? You know, 
<laughs> Magdalene is not her um, is not her last name. That's the city where she's from, right? So it's Mary Magdalene. Magdalene is not her last name. It's just from the city that she's uh, from. So she's from Magdala. And this was one of the coastal regions, one of the major coastal regions on the Sea of Galilee. And it was a major port, of course. So there was a lot of trade going on, especially salt. Um, so most likely her family was involved in some kind of business there. And they were very wealthy. How do we know that she was wealthy? Because in Luke chapter 8 it says that Mary called Magdalene and many others who provided for him from their substance. So her family uh, supported the Lord in his ministry while he ministered, he and his disciples, providing them the provisions they need. This was her early life. Uh, and her second part of her life perhaps was the one we know about, which was read in the Gospel from this morning, was that she was one among many women who the Lord cast out demons. And she cast out of her seven demons. And seven in the, the number seven in Scripture usually symbolizes totality or completeness. So we gather from this that she was completely engulfed and immersed in sin. And you know, um, demon possession is not like a temptation. When it's demon possession, now the demon is the one who is doing the guiding. Right? So she was this far entrenched in sin and being away from God. And the Lord came and touched her and, uh, and cured her from these seven demons. And of course, um, she converted and she became a follower of the Lord. And this is her last part of her life was her discipleship to Christ, following Him and the disciples and supporting them in their ministry. So what was her experience? We can say her experience was two things and her response was one. And they all begin with F. The first was forgiveness, right? She experienced forgiveness from the Lord when he cast, when he accepted her repentance. And then she experienced freedom from the Lord when he freed her from the bonds of the demons. And then lastly, her response was fervent love. How do we see her fervent love during her life? Is that she remained with him. When it came time to go to the cross, the eleven of the disciples left him because they were scared. If they did this to the Master, they would do this to the followers. But she was the only one with John and, the, and his mother, of course, that followed him all the way to the cross regardless of what the cost might be. So she followed him during his service. She followed him to the cross. She followed him to his burial. And then she followed him, of course, and witnessed his resurrection. All this because it was springing out of a heart of thanksgiving and deep love for him. In the gospel uh, this morning, or this evening, it says that uh, begins by saying how Mary went to the tomb when it was still dark. Very early Sunday morning, before even the sun came out. Why was she going there so early? Because they didn't have time to anoint the body when he was crucified because of the Sabbath. So they had to bury him quickly, so it wasn't, they, they didn't honor him properly. So she was going early to honor him and anoint his body. And when she went to the tomb, she found the stone had been rolled away. Of course, this startled her, because there were guards at the tomb, there was a seal, and then now the stone is rolled away. So before she did anything, she went back, and she uh, went and called for Peter and John, St. Peter and John. And they came running, and the scripture, you know, in, in its detail, accounts that John got there before St. Peter. Why? He was younger, right? 
He ran faster, right? So he got there, but waited for St. Peter. And then St. Peter went into the tomb first, and they witnessed two things. They witnessed, one, that the tomb was empty, and the linen cloths were folded in a place by themselves. Of course, anybody who knows anything about embalming, especially in, uh, in the Middle Eastern culture, was very thorough, right? Um, they wrapped them tightly, and even when they wrapped their head, they tie a knot at the top uh, of the, uh, of the uh, cloth. So for them to be folded neatly in a place, it's almost as if they are never used. They're, they're brand new. So they're folded there, and this is what they saw. So the two disciples, Peter and John, they left the tomb and the linen cloth, and they went back to their homes. But something kept St. Mary there next to the tomb. That's what I want to focus on. She lingered a little bit. Look what happened. It says, But Mary uh, stood outside the tomb weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And this is not a question like they're asking her a question. But this was perhaps their way of summoning her to rejoice. She was coming in deep grief, blinded by her tears because her master, the one who freed her from these demons, is dead and now he's missing. I don't know where he is. And perhaps she was busy from the lack of sleep. And then when she saw the two, she didn't recognize them as angels, but she recognized them. She thought they were just men wearing white robes. So she, when they asked her, why are you weeping? She said to them, because they have taken away my Lord, and I, I do not know where they have laid him. I want to note here previously, when she, uh, she was speaking with Peter and John, she said, to, she said that they have taken away the Lord from the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. So she speaks here in, uh, in plural. The Lord and we. But now when she's alone, speaking with the angels, she says they have taken away what? My Lord. And I don't know where they have taken So it's personal. It's not just something for everybody else, but it's something for me. Where is my Lord? As if she was focused more on her relationship with the Lord and on her own grief. Then it says, Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? So what made her turn around? Most likely, the two angels are standing there and she's, they ask her, Why are you weeping? And she's responding to them. And as she's responding to them, the angels are looking behind her. They're gazing behind her. So she thought, perhaps the one to whom I should be addressing this question about where the body of the Lord is, is standing behind me. So she turns around, and then she looks at Jesus. She doesn't recognize him. Again, in her condition, she doesn't recognize him. And, and his appearance is altered a little bit. Right? So she doesn't recognize him, and she says to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And notice here that she lingered, and up to this point, she thinks he's dead. But yet she's still lingering, despite the fact that she has, even if she said, the gardener says, okay, his body's over there, she was still lingering. She wanted to do her duty. She was still loyal to him, even if she believed that he was dead. So she lingered behind. And then the Lord said to her, 
Mary, she turned and said to him, Rabuni, which is to say, teacher. So it's almost at this point, the Lord hears her asking over and over again, where is the body? Where is the body? And the Lord, with his compassionate and loving heart, couldn't bear to keep her in wait any longer. So he calls her by name. All he says is, Mary, Mary. This shouldn't surprise us. The one who calls and numbers the stars and he calls them all by name. And the good shepherd who hears the, uh, his, the voice of his sheep and he calls them all by name and leads them out. It shouldn't come to a surprise that he called her by name and he knows her. And it's immediately she recognized him as the Savior and as her teacher. And then as if she rushes to embrace him, and the Lord abruptly, uh, abruptly stops her. And he says, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father and to my God and your God. He's telling her that I'm not coming, I'm not rising, so I can go back to you with Galilee and we can live happily ever after as we did before with the disciples. No, he's not saying that. He has greater plans. He has a place to prepare for them that they can't go now, but he's going to prepare a place for them as recorded in the Gospel of John in chapter 13 and 14. He says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. So he says, Don't cling to me because I'm going to prepare a place for you. And when he says, My Father and your Father and my God and your God, He's now elevating humanity to be brothers and sisters to him. It's not like he's lower than the Father, or he's not equal to the Father. No. But now he's through his resurrection and our participation in his life, he's raised humanity to be his brethren, to be sons of God by adoption. Then it says, that she went, uh, Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he spoke these things to her. So he told her to go and tell the disciples that I've risen and she goes and he tells the disciples that uh, he has risen. And she obeys him and returns to the disciples. So we see that she was touched by the Lord by his forgiveness and by the freedom he gave her. And she responded by this inexpressible love that wanted to cling to him so tightly even if uh, she thought that he was really dead. And I think if we look at uh, this story and this passage and experience with St. Mary Magdalene, that we can, and the risen Lord, we can learn three things. Number one, that our relationship with the risen Lord is proportionate to our love for Him. The more we love Him, the more we will experience Him in our life. He, she was the one whom He chose to reveal the resurrection. Not even St. John the Beloved, but St. Mary Magdalene, because she loved much. Those whom love much, much is revealed, and much is experienced. Let us not return to the old ways. We have lived these holy, these, this holy great fast close to Him. And during this last Paschal week, we saw what the Lord endured for us. And our love for Him grew. As we begin the Holy 50 Days, let us not overindulge and forget about what He did for us. Forget how much He loved us and how much we love Him during these holy 50 days. 
Number two is let us focus on our own relationship with the Lord. My God and my Savior. Mary kept close to the tomb because she was concerned about her own relationship with the Lord and that He was no longer there. So she was, that's what she was concerned about. Again, we attended many prayers during this week as a community. And perhaps this is easy for us to pray when we're together as a community. But now during the, re- the Holy 50 Days, when we're not gathering as often here in the church, we take this relationship and the love for God to our room, to our room and to our hearts, by continuing our prayers, our spiritual reading, our meditation on His love, forgiveness, and His grace. And lastly, we keep focus on heaven. Keep our focus on heaven. This is the purpose of the 50 days. It's not to enjoy the food and everything. You know, this is something that maybe we do. But the real thing is for us to live in, he- in, live in heaven. Live in this freedom and this liberty in the Lord. Let not the liberty be overindulgence and flip to sin. Should be still with moderation and with thanksgiving. This is why St. Paul tells us, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God, set your minds on things above and on the things on the earth. May God grant us many joyful years and enjoying the experience of His resurrection in our life. To Him be the glory forever and ever. Amen.